Uh, without taking time for the do, I would like to welcome Sheikh Abdul Bari Yahya to give us his lecture, inshallah. It's going to be about taqwa and upright character. إن الحمد لله نحمده ونستعينه ونستغفره ونعوذ بالله من شرور أنفسنا وسيئات أعمالنا ما يهده الله فلا مضل له وما يضلل فلا هادي له أشهد أن لا إله إلا الله وحده لا شريك له وأشهد أن محمدا عبده ورسوله أما بعد the messenger of Allah صلى الله عليه وسلم was asked what interests people Jannah the most and he said Having piety and righteousness, having taqwa, being conscious of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala at all times, and good character, and good character. And then he was asked, what enters people the hellfire the most? So you have beautiful advice on how to enter Jannah insha'Allah, but also how to avoid the hellfire. So what did he say? The Prophet ﷺ mentioned two things. He pointed to two things. He said this, and he pointed to the tongue and the private part. The tongue and the private part. Those are the two things that enter people the hellfire the most. And that's why if, you are, if you're able to, take care of your tongue. Take care of your tongue. Of course, it's all related to taqwa. Taqwa Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Take care of your tongue and take care of your private part. Then the message of Allah sallallahu alayhi wa sallam said, if you can take care of these two things, I will guarantee you Jannah, inshaAllah. So that's why this hadith is, is very, very beautiful. And the message of Allah sallallahu alayhi wa sallam also mentioned another beautiful hadith. Very profound. At the same time, the advice inshallah is something that we can implement all the time and it's pretty much all-encompassing all and that's part of what the Prophet was given the miracle of Jawami al-Kalib being able to have very very precise as, as precise and eloquent speech and the most precise and the most eloquent of speech is that which is short and to the point Short and to the point. And so the Messenger of Allah sallallahu alayhi wa sallam, he said, Have taqwa wherever you may be. Have taqwa wherever you may be. There are some people, when they are in, maybe in Tennessee, when you know that you are in an area where people recognize you, and, or they could recognize you, or some of your relatives might be there. You know, you're very careful. You're very careful not to do things or be in the wrong area, wrong place. Because you're afraid of being seen by people in the wrong place, doing the wrong things. But then when you are away 
and you know that you're taking a vacation to Las Vegas for example or another city or another town and you know that you nobody knows you nobody knows you you act as if you're a different person and that's why whether we're by ourselves or we're in the open the Prophet ﷺ gave this advice, he said, كنت, Have taqwa wherever you are. Meaning, not only in front of other people. Sometimes we, when we're, together, when we're, when, when, when we're with other people, you might be speaking about certain topics. You might be covering, you speaking about maybe TV shows or a movie star and then someone comes by right someone maybe the Imam walks by immediately oh brother remember the hadith that Sheikh spoke about the Imam spoke about you change topics right away and it's a good thing to have shyness by the way it's a good at least you have that but try wherever you are no matter where you are try to have taqwa you know, we're always concerned as, about privacy nowadays, right? With your, your phones and you walk around. Uh, there are certain countries, there are certain areas, there are cameras all over the place. There are cameras all over the place. Just like I remember in the UK, I was in the UK just last month, and they said an average person, an average person in the UK is on camera. They have so many cameras. It's on camera 2,000 times a day. Like 2,000 times, they have more cameras than anyone else. I think any other country. You know, in the streets and so forth. Uh, Close circuit, uh, you know, TV ca cameras all over the place. And so, sometimes when we are driving, I don't know if you guys have here in, uh, in Tennessee, do you guys have like uh, cameras at the stoplights? In some places, right? Some places. In some states, they take it all, they're illegal. Right? I remember, I know, I know in California, they, in, some, in some cities, they took it out because the city, of course, got sued. And why did they get sued? No, why, why did the city get sued? The reason is because when the cameras, when the pictures were taken, of course, they were sent home. And so that person who was driving, he happened to have his mistress. He was married, of course, and when that picture comes home, guess who sees it? And that caused, that of course, caused his wife to divorce him. Caused his wife to divorce him, and he sued the city, and he won. He sued the city, and he won. But the point here is, sometimes when we see, when we know that there's a camera there, right? when we know that there's a camera there, when you know you're going to be accountable, when you know that if you run that red light, right? When you, when you know that there's a camera at that intersection, what do you do? If you see a yellow. If you see a yellow, you don't take the chance. Right? You don't take the chance. Why? Because you know that there's a camera there. But if you know that there isn't a camera there, you probably would just go, you'll, you'll take the chance. Even if it's red. But when you see a camera, we're afraid. When, if we know that we're going to be accountable. But what we don't realize is, and we don't, we're not conscious all the time is, every word, every word, and every action 
is recorded. Every word and every action is recorded. And you will be accountable for every word, every action, every penny that you spend, everything that you learn. And that's why the Prophet ﷺ, he said, a person will stand in front of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. In this world, we're afraid of standing in front of the judge or go to court. But on the day of judgment, in the hereafter, everybody will stand in front of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. And you will be judged. And you will stand there and you will not move from that location until you ask about four things. You have four questions to, be, to, to answer. The Prophet ﷺ, he said, about his life, meaning his age, how long Allah. The, the amount of time Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala gave him in this world. Allah subhanahu wa, wa ta'ala will ask you about the time you spent in this world. Everything that you did, everything that you said. Not a single utterance that comes from your mouth except that there is a scribe, an angel that will that writes every single thing down. And so, if you think about you know this worldly life, how people record things, and all your record and so forth is recorded, Allah Subhanahu wa Taala records whatever you're doing, whether you're in public or in private. And then you will not move from that location until you ask about your age and the time that you spent in this life and also and about your youth how you spent it you know when the word shabab in the Arabic language doesn't just mean teenagers and youngsters no it is the age in which you are full of energy and the, and the prophets and the, the scholars have mentioned that's about 40 years of age from why? Because after you're 40, that's when you start going downwards. Right? That's when your strength and your energy, um, you start losing it. And you start to become weaker and weaker until you reach old age. And so at that age in which you are a shab, when you still have the energy, how did you use that energy? How did you use that strength that Allah gave you? How did you use the health that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala blessed you with? You know, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, when He gives us the health and energy, if we use it for the sake of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala to please Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, then Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala blesses the time that we have. And blesses the time that we have. And He makes it beneficial for us in this life and the hereafter. And so he'll ask us about our whole lifetime. Then he'll ask us specifically about the time in which we're full of energy. Then he'll ask us about every single penny we spent and wherever, wherever we, where, we, where we got it from and how we spent it. 
وعن ماله من أين اكتسبه وفيما أنفقه and about his wealth how he acquired it and how he spent it and so that's why we have to be very very careful to make sure that the wealth that we have that's coming in part of taqwa Allah taqwa means to protect yourself from the hellfire to protect yourself from that which is displeasing to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala by abstaining from all that which is displeasing to Allah and doing all that which is pleasing to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala that's taqwallah subhanahu wa ta'ala being in that state all the time being in that state and so when you acquire money make sure that it's halal make sure that the source is halal and when you spend it make sure you spend it in that which is halal also make sure you spend it in that which is pleasing to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala whether it is something that will benefit your family or something that will inshallah that you leave for the hereafter like spending in spending by doing in charity and, and, and likewise and so you'll be asked about the money that you acquire and how you spent it and then you will be asked about the knowledge that you have acquired that you have that you've learned how did you use that knowledge did you use that knowledge or not and then after you're able to answer all of these questions and this is not going to be something that will be just a few moments you know like okay this is a court session these this is the standing in front of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is years and years and that's why the scholars, the, the Prophet ﷺ mentioned in the hadith in the, in the Sahaba Sunan, uh, he said that the poor, the poor will enter Jannah 500 years before the rich people do. 500 years, you might say. Well, why? Well, people who are, well, it doesn't mean that poor people are better. It's just that they don't have much you can ask about. Some people, they have just what's in their house, meaning they have a hut and pots and pans and whatever they're going to get. Today, that's, what, that's all they have to eat. And then tomorrow they have to go to look for food again tomorrow. And some people in some countries, that's all they have. Right? Those types, those types of people, you know, what are you going to ask them about? They don't have, they don't have any cars. They don't have any refrigerators even or anything like that. So it's very quick for them. But it doesn't mean that they're better than the people who are wealthy. So, but just the people who are wealthy, but it just shows that you're going to be accountable for everything that you, for all the money that you have and everything that you spend and the knowledge that you have, how you implemented it. Did you implement what you learned? There are two types of people in this world. There are those who are ignorant there are those who are ignorant and they don't know right? and then there are those who know and amongst those people of course those who know there are some who apply their knowledge and there are some who their knowledge is against them their knowledge will be used against them so for those who know the Quran for those who have knowledge and they go astray with that knowledge even though they have knowledge 
their similitude and example is like the example of the Jews. The Jews, they had knowledge, but they strayed. They strayed because they did not implement that knowledge. They did not. They went against what they learned, went against what they knew. And so Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala became very angry at them. And that's why when you recite the Quran, when you're reading a book, when you are there in front of the khatib and he's giving the khutbah, you have to sit with the mindset that you want to learn and implement what you learned. What can I do? What can I gain from this? So that it will help me in this life and the hereafter. So the Prophet said, That is, have taqwa in Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala wherever you may be. And then he said, And follow, follow a bad deed with a good deed and we'll wipe it out. Follow a bad deed with a good deed and we'll wipe it out. This is very profound advice. If you want to abandon bad habits, if you want to leave sins, you have to replace that sin with something good. Anytime you have a bad habit, you have to do something that will replace it. You cannot just leave a vacuum. If you leave a vacuum, then the bad habit will come back. And that's why you have to follow it up with a good deed. If you can, everyone commits a sin, and so the right, our right to continue with the theme of the khutbah, balance, to have a balanced life, you have to give every entity that is deserving of its right, its right. And he said, remember he said, when the Prophet said, and give each entity of its right, its right, its right, when he said, وَإِنَّ لِرَبِّكَ عَلَيْكَ حَقًّا your Lord has a right upon you. And that is the right of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala upon us is that we worship Him alone and that we have taqwa. That we're conscious of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala and not to disobey Him. And the right that we have upon ourselves is what? That we are going to commit sins. Anyone commits sins. Anyone and everyone sins. But the best of those who sin are those who repent to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. كُلُّ ابْنِ آدَمْ خَطَّاءٍ وَخَيْرُ الْخَطَّائِينَ التَّوَّبُونَ So, if you commit a sin though, make sure you follow it up with a good deed. Part of your repentance, a lot of people don't, um, don't understand repentance. Repentance has conditions. Istighfar is what you say with your mouth when you say Astaghfirullah, Astaghfirullah. Tawbah is, re is re returning to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, putting it into action, changing it. Meaning when you've committed a sin, show that you're sincere in your repentance by following it up with a good deed. And if you do that, you know, let's say if you're used to listening to, let's say you're listening to music and you want to leave the, the haram. So those times that you listen to music, don't just do nothing. Spend time doing something else that is beneficial. 
whether it's listening to the Quran, seeking knowledge, or even just being around their children, just giving them quality time, and following a, following a bad deed with a good deed, and it will wipe it away. And then he says, nas hasan," And deal with the people, interact with the people with the best of characters, with the best of manners. With the best, and deal with the people. Notice he said people, which means that we have to be upright in our character, in our family members, amongst our, in our communities, and between Muslims and between non-Muslims, between humans and also even animals, having that taqwallahi subhanahu wa taala, and so. Having good character is one of the one of the things that will inshallah enter us Jannah. You can have taqwallahi subhanahu wa ta'ala, but that's part, yes. But there's another side also that you have to be good to the creation of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. And so the Prophet was the best in character. Kana Nabi sallallahu alayhi wa sallam. أحسن الناس أحسن الناس خلقا كان أحسن الناس خلقا أنس بن مالك رضي الله عنه said the messenger of Allah صلى الله عليه وسلم was the best among 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 the people in character he was the best among the people in character and Sophia بنت حيي رضي الله عنها she said ما رأيت أحسن خلقا من رسول الله صلى الله عليه وسلم I did not have never seen anyone better in character than the Messenger of God, sallallahu alaihi wasallam. And so, if you want Jannah, if you want Jannah, then try your very best to emulate the Prophet, sallallahu alaihi wasallam, and be good and be the best in character. You might even say, but you know what? So-and-so doesn't deserve my kindness. So-and-so doesn't deserve this and that. You might want to be nice to them and kind to them and generous towards them. But you might say, you know what? That person doesn't deserve it. But I want you, if it's hard to be nice to some people, I want you to think, I want you to have this mindset. I want you to say to yourself, if I'm kind to this person, if I'm good to this person, if I do these things, Allah will give me Jannah. Isn't that worth it? Is Jannah not worth it? And then you lower your ego, right? And you squash it. And then you be the best person that you can be to all people. So think about Jannah, because good character is one of the characteristics of the people of Jannah. They have good manners, good characteristics. And this is the example taught to us by the Messenger of Allah He was the best in character, but not only was he the best in character, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala swore he 
You know, and we swear by something, it's to signify the importance of it. After making qasam, after swearing, noon, wal qalami wa ma yasturun, after having this qasam by swearing, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says, وَإِنَّكَ لَعَلَى خُلُقٍ Indeed, surely, you, I swear, you, O Muhammad, are on, are on an exalted standard of character. Are, are on an exalted standard of character. So if we want Jannah, we, have, we want good, character, good manners, good characteristics, then we have to learn about how the Messenger of Allah was, how his character was, so that we can enter Jannah inshallah and implement the teachings of this, the Prophet So how was his characteristic? How was he? What is one, what's the, how would you describe the character of the Prophet Aisha described it for us. And Aisha radiallahu anha, she said, when she was asked to describe the character of the Prophet she was also very eloquent. And she said, His character was the Qur'an. He was the embodiment of the teachings of the Qur'an. And what does that mean? What does that mean? What does that mean? When she said that the, the character of the Prophet was the Qur'an, first and foremost, he followed the injunctions of the Qur'an. He was upright in following the orders and prohibitions of the Qur'an. Meaning, when Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala told him to do anything in the Qur'an, he was quick in responding to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Part of embodying the teachings of the Qur'an, his character was the Qur'an. When Allah tells you to do something, you do it right away. You do it right away and you don't delay it. And so embodying the characteristics of the Qur'an means to be quick in following the injunctions of the Qur'an, the halal and the haram of it, and also embodying the characteristics, characteristics that are praiseworthy in the Qur'an. Whatever the Qur'an praises, whatever characteristics that the Qur'an praises, then we embody those characteristics. And whatever the Qur'an doesn't praise and despises, then we distance ourselves from that which the Qur'an despises. And that's what it means to embody the teachings of the Qur'an. And that's what Ibn Kathir, rahimahullah, he mentioned, he said, what this means is that following the injunctions of the Qur'an, whether it's an order or a prohibition, was a natural inclination and part of the character of the Prophet Part of his character, he was quick. When Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala ordered him to do something, he was quick. And that's how the companions were. They were quick in responding to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala's commands. And that's part of taqwa. Because the Qur'an orders us to have taqwa. And you know when we pray, 
Why do we pray? Why do we pray five times a day? What is the purpose of praying five times a day? What is the purpose of fasting? What is the purpose of giving zakat? What is the purpose of going, going for hajj? All of those acts, ritual acts, have a purpose. And do you know what the purpose is? The purpose and the result that we should be getting from all of those acts is taqwullahi subhanahu wa ta'ala. That's what we should be getting from it. When we stand up for prayer, it is to increase our taqwa. So that when, when we are at work and we're, when, when we're with people or with our family members and so forth, and you hear Allahu Akbar, Allahu Akbar. Allah is the greatest. Allah is the greatest. And you leave what you're doing and you go to the masjid. Because you're, you're reminding, you're, you're reminded of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. So the prayer is to increase our taqwa, our consciousness of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. And how about fasting? Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says the same thing. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says, Ya ayyuhaladheena amanu, kutiba alaykum usiyam, kama kutiba ala aladheena min qablikum, la'allakum tattaqoon. O ye who believe, Fasting has been prescribed upon you just as it was prescribed upon those before you so that you may have taqwa. The purpose of the fast is taqwallahi subhanahu wa ta'ala. The purpose of our prayer is taqwallahi subhanahu wa ta'ala. So all of these things are to increase us in taqwa. And even when you make hajj, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says, وَتَزَوَّدُوا فَإِنَّ خَيْرَ زَادَ taqwa And take provisions. And the best provision you can take with you is, is taqwa. Every single day, we have pit stops. We have pit stops in our daily lives. Those are the five daily prayers. To refuel ourselves with taqwa subhanahu wa ta'ala. We are on a journey. <clears throat> we are on a journey. If you are on a journey, let's say you have a lot... Some people, some of our journeys are shorter and longer than the others, but the destination is the same. Okay. Destination is the same. Some go faster, some go slower. But in order for you to reach your destination, you have to have a map. You have to have a map. Or nowadays we have Google Maps. But still, you still need a map. Right? The Quran is that guide. But you also need fuel. You need fuel. If you do not have fuel, if you, do not, if you don't have enough fuel in your car and you're planning a long road trip to California, are you going to reach your destination without fuel? You have to refuel yourself. And the thing is, some are fuel tanks. You, know, you can only, for, for some cars, you know, some cars are gas guzzlers. And you guys here, you have, mashallah, I come, first thing I noticed when I, I landed in, in Tennessee, I looked at the gas prices. I said, the last time I put gas in my car, I paid $3.27. And I looked at here, I said, that's under even 
Like, mashallah. Say alhamdulillah, mashallah, you guys. Gas prices are really cheap, but it doesn't matter how cheap it is. You can only put so much gas in your tank. Right? You can only put so much gas in your tank before it runs out on your trip. And you need to refuel yourselves. So what is that fuel that will keep you going so that you will reach your destination? It is taqwa. And so that we have stops along the way in our, in, in our journey. On our journey we have stops. We have five daily stops. We have five daily stops and those are the five daily prayers. And then you have a weekly stop. Right? Just like our cars, once you get to a certain... Uh, you drive for a certain distance. You know, for most cars, if you, after you've driven 3,000 miles, and some cars with synthetic oil, gas, I mean, maybe they can go for five to 6,000, right? But eventually, you're going to have to change oil. Eventually, you're going to have to change oil. You'll need an oil change. Otherwise, that engine will blow up, right? The engine is going to break down you're not going to get to your destination. And of course, you have also, you have scheduled maintenance of your car. Otherwise, if you don't do these things, you'll break down along the way. So in life, we have the five daily stops. And those are the five daily prayers. And then we have a weekly stop. That's Friday, Juma, And then we have a yearly checkup and stop and pit stop what is that yearly pit stop the month of ramadan the month of ramadan all of these things what are we refueling ourselves with taqwallahi subhanahu wa ta'ala to renew our taqwa to have the consciousness of allah subhanahu wa ta'ala of course the the lifetime pit stop is what it's the hajj it's the hajj and so that's why you have to, you have to refuel yourselves with taqwa in order for you to reach your destination. Taqwa Allah. And another one, as I mentioned, is husnul khuluq, is to embody the teachings of the Prophet sallallahu alaihi wasallam, the embodied teachings of the Quran in our daily lives. The Prophet sallallahu alaihi wasallam mentioned husnul khuluq. And what is husnul khuluq? What is good characteristic? What is righteous character? The Prophet said, Al-birru husnul khuluq. Al-birr husnul khuluq. Piety and righteousness is good. Is right. Piety is righteous character, good character. Good character is piety. So, taqwa is your, your connection between you and your relationship between you and Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Husnul khuluq is your relationship between the creation of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Having good, husn, good, good character also is between you, your relationship between you and Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala entails that, taqwa also entails that you follow the injunctions. Follow the injunctions that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala has put in the Qur'an and the Sunnah. But it also entails that you're pleased with what Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala has decreed. Meaning, whatever Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala has decreed in the halal and the haram, 
And whatever Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala has decreed that you have and do not have, that you're pleased with that also. That you're pleased with that. And this point is very, very important. In fact, it is so important that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala swears by Himself. And He says, فَلَا وَرَبِّكَ لَا يُؤْمِنُونَ حَتَّى يُحَكِّمُوكَ فِيمَا شَجَرَ بَيْنَهُمْ ثُمَّ لَا يَجِدُوا فِي أَنفُسِهِمْ حَرَجًا ثُمَّ لَا يَجِدُوا فِي أَنفُسِهِمْ حَرَجًا مِمَّا قَضَيْتَ وَيُسَلِّمُوا تَسْلِيمًا Nay, and nay by your Lord of Muhammad. Allah is swearing by Himself. This indicates that what's coming up is extremely important. Because Allah swears by the sun and the moon and the stars and He swears by whatever He pleases. But if He swears by Himself, then what's coming up is very important. He says, فَلَا وَرَبِّكَ And nay by your Lord of Muhammad. La yu'minun, they shall not have faith. Hatta yuhakimuka fima shajara baynahum. Until they make you a judge in all the disputes amongst themselves, between themselves. And then they find, well, Hatta yuhakimuka fima shajara baynahum. Thumma la yajidu fi amfusihim haraja. And then they find no resistance in themselves whatsoever. And they surrender to it with the fullest of conviction. Which means that when Allah tells you to do something, then you accept that this is, the, this is what's best for you. When Allah tells you to do something, you accept this is what's best for you. Sometimes a person may, may find themselves in trouble. And sometimes it might be financial trouble. And they might say, oh, you know what? If I do this, <coughs> if, I go, if I go into this field of work, even though they know that, that that field of work is haram, but they still, they say, you know what? I'm in trouble. I have problems. I have financial problems. I have to do this. You know, if you have problems, the haram will never be the solution for you. The haram is not the solution for you. It will only cause more problems. It will only cause more problems. Know that taqwa is the solution. Taqwallah subhanahu wa ta'ala is the solution. And that's why Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, He says, وَمَن يَتَّقِ اللَّهَ يَجْعَلْ لَهُ Whosoever has taqwa, we will always find a way for him. In, in, in other words, Allah will always find a way out for you. Whatever problems you may be in, if you have taqwa, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala will give, will give you the solution and He will give you relief. And we will provide for him from that which, you, that, that, that which he did not perceive. And so that your solution, any problem that you have, the solution is never the haram. Your solution is taqwallah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Once you have taqwa, then Allah will open a way for you. And He will make things easy for you. You may not see it yet. Because Allah is still testing you. <coughs> because He says, وَمَن يَتَّقِ اللَّهِ Man here is sharqiyya. 
Man here is conditional. That means on the condition that you have taqwa, then, then you, after that, then you will see the, then you will see the relief. But you know, before that, you won't be able to see. You might say, well, you know what? Um, if I do this, if I don't take this job, how, how am I going to take care of my family? Um, and Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala will not show you, will not give you another job. In other words, Allah will not let you see another option. You won't see another option opening up. But as soon as you say, Ya Allah, I know that this is haram. I put my trust in you. I'm going to find another solution. As soon as you make that conviction, then Allah will open up a way for you. Because He will test you. Because if He showed you, whoever has taqwa, if he, let's say, you have this problem here. You know, should I take this job? But you also have another solution which is halal. But you know what? The other solution you might not be able to see yet. If you were to, able, if you were to be able to see first, then you would, this would be very easy for you, right? But you have to have taqwa. Allah tests you first, and then after that you'll see. You'll get the solution. But the solution... The solution is always taqwallah subhanahu wa ta'ala. وَمَا يَتَّقِ اللَّهِ يَجْعَلْ لَهُ مَخْرَجًا And that's why Abdullah ibn Mas'ud radiallahu anhu, he said there is not a single verse in the Qur'an that makes me more happy than this verse. Why? Because it is the answer to all your problems. It is the answer to all your problems without exception. You know, if you had a cure-all solution, right? Like as they say, a cure-all solution, this is it. This is it. وَمَا يَتَّقِ اللَّهِ يَجْعَلْ لَهُ مَخْرَجًا That's okay, yeah, just need and, and so, when Allah subhanahu wa tells us to do something, we have to accept it with the fullness of conviction without any resistance because he says Fala rabbika la you will not have faith you will not have faith until you do this because we know that Allah Allah has created us and he knows what's best for us he knows what's best for us and he's more merciful to us than we are to ourselves he wants he knows what's best for us in the injunctions of the Qur'an, the halal and haram, and the halal and haram and the sunnah, the guidance in the Qur'an and the sunnah, are what's best for us in this life and in the hereafter. And so supplicate to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Supplicate to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala often. When you have problems, part of taqwa Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is to always have that connection with Allah. If for every little thing, make dua. A dua huwa al-ibadah. Dua is ibadah. So whatever you have, whenever you have problems, supplicate to Allah. And the Prophet sallallahu alayhi wa sallam, إِذَا فَزِعُ amra لَجَا إِلَى الصَّلَةِ when the Prophet whenever he was concerned about something, 
He would quickly, immediately, he would quickly resort to prayer. Resort to dua and resort to the prayer. The, the, stand up and pray. That's your connection with Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. And so you have to be careful. Part of taqwullah subhanahu wa ta'ala is also being careful that that connection is not cut. How can you keep that connection going? You know, if you stop paying your telephone bill, if you stop paying your cell phone bill, what happens? They shut it down. You can't call anyone. You can't call anyone. If you resort to haram in your sustenance, your connection with Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala will be cut. And that's the most important connection. How, why, how, how do we know that? Because the Prophet sallallahu alayhi wa sallam said so. He informed, of, informed us of a man, yutilu safar. He was traveling on a long journey. Yamuddu yadehi ila sama. He raises his hands to the heavens to supplicate to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. And he says, Ya Rabbi, Ya Rabbi, O oh my Lord, O oh my Lord. And he's supplicating to Allah. And the Prophet sallallahu alayhi wa sallam, you notice he said, he is a traveler. And you know, a traveler is one who's, a one who's connection, one whose dua is accepted. You know, your cell phone reception is stronger and in certain places it's weaker. Your connection with Allah when you're traveling is stronger. Is one of the strongest, you, you, that's where you get the strongest reception, connection with Allah when you're traveling. When you're traveling because your dua is accepted. And in sujood, your reception is strongest. Here's your dua, inshallah, that's why you should make dua. Because you're closest to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. So these are the times in which your reception is very, very strong. When you're in your connection with Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. And he says, Ya Rabb, Ya Rabb. وَمَطْعَمُهُ حَرَامٌ You know, it doesn't matter how strong your reception is. If you didn't pay the phone bill, your phone is not working. Your phone isn't going to work. But his food is haram. haram. And his clothing is haram. And he's nourished from the haram. So how is he going to accept this dua? How is this dua going to be accepted? So that's why part of taqwa is being careful, making sure that your sustenance is haram, not haram. That your sustenance is pure. Allah is pure and He doesn't accept anything except that which is pure. And so having taqwallahi subhanahu wa ta'ala, supplicating to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala also for, for husn al-khuluq. That Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala perfects your character. That Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala perfects your character. And if you find it hard to be nice to your family members, you find it hard to be nice to your aunts and uncles, be nice to some people, then say to yourself, if I'm nice to them, and if I have good character towards them, and Allah gives me Jannah, isn't it worth it? Isn't a smile, just a smile, and you get Jannah. Wouldn't you smile? Doesn't matter who it is that's in front of you. Right? But don't just smile. But don't just smile with a fake smile. Smile sincerely. Like sincerely meaning you're doing it for the sake of Allah.
you know, and you forget all the wrongs that they may have done to you maybe but smile because you want Jannah smile as if you want Jannah be good be charitable as if you want Jannah that you're gonna get Jannah for it because these are the acts little acts little character little acts that eventually will enter as Jannah never belittle a good deed if it's a good deed don't belittle it because any of these deeds can enter you Jannah because it is not the deed itself but it's the mercy of Allah so maybe you find it hard to smile to so and so because they've been so mean to you but you know what you do it anyways because you're doing it for the sake of Allah maybe because of that because that smile is so hard for you towards that particular person maybe Allah sees that you're struggling with it but you do it anyways and you throw your ego aside and you smile and be nice to that person and as a result of that Allah has mercy upon you at that moment and you'll be amongst the people of Jannah inshaAllah لا تحقرن من المعروف شيئا ولو أن تلقى أخاق بوجه طلق even if you were to meet your brother with a an open face meaning a smile on your face because that smile could enter you Jannah and that's part of good character and that's why the Prophet sallallahu alaihi wasallam as the companions describe his characteristic described his character they said every time the Prophet looked at me he would smile but this smile was a sincere smile it was so special that Amr ibn As he said every time he looked at me he would smile and he smiled and I thought that I was the best the way that he smiled at me and he treated me and talked to me to the point where I approached him and I said oh messenger of Allah who is better Abu Bakr or me Abu Bakr or me and so the Prophet sallallahu said Abu Bakr yes Abu Bakr everybody knows Abu Bakr right his status but did you know that Amr ibn As gave it another try why did he do this because of that smile that smile made him feel so special. He said, Oh Messenger of Allah, is Omar better than me or am I better than Omar? And he, so he gave it another try. Maybe. So the Prophet said, Omar is better than you. And so he said, After, after the Prophet said that, I realized that he was like this to everyone. He always had a smile on his face. And that was the character of the Prophet And we can go on and on about the character of the Prophet But inshallah, I'll just mention a few things so that we can try to embody his teachings and maybe try to implement it in our daily lives. The Messenger of Allah was kind to all. He was the most generous, but he was the best in character. In his speech, he was the most kind in speech. He never made you feel uncomfortable. 
He never made you feel uncomfortable, even if you did something wrong. Unless, unless it was something that he never got angry unless it was for the sake of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. And it was never something that was personal. And he always used the best words, the most beautiful words, even to those who were serving him. Those who were serving him. Like Anas ibn Malik radiallahu anhu, he said, I served the Prophet sallallahu for 10 years. And he said, Wallahi, ma qala li, ma qala uff, ma qala uff. The Messenger of Allah sallallahu said, never, never did he say uff. You know, uff is a, a, is, is a word of maybe some, of, of, of disgust or something that you feel, even though somebody doesn't say anything, sometimes their character, they might say, oh. Like, you know, you shake your head in America, they might say, somebody might, you know, um, do this. Go. The Messenger of Allah sallallahu never did anything like that to make someone feel uncomfortable. And never did he say, as Anas said, as, she, as he said, وَلَا قَالَ لِي شَيْءٍ لِمَا فَعَلْتَ كَذَا وَهَلَّا فَعَلْتَ كَذَا He never said, why didn't you do this and why didn't you do that? You know, you know some, when we, for those who are older, you know, when we were kids and those who are younger right now, sometimes, you know, your parents might say to you, when you do something wrong, why did you do that? And when your parents say, why didn't you do this? How do you feel when they say that? Is there really any, why didn't you do this? Why did you do that? Do you really want to know? Why didn't you do this? Why did, no, it's, 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 it's a scolding. <laughs> you're scolding that person. And when you say that, you know, it makes, and you know you're wrong, but well, when somebody says that, it just makes you feel worse. The Messenger of Allah never did such things. And the Messenger of Allah never hit anyone, whether that person is a, a slave, or any, he never hit any woman, he never hit anyone except in, in battle. Except in battle. He never struck anyone. The Messenger of Allah was kind to all. The Messenger of Allah was the best in character. And the Messenger of Allah always, the Prophet never, he always, um, he was always concerned about your well-being. He was always sincere also in his concern about your well-being. And that's why part of good character is being concerned about the well-being of the people around you. You know how sometimes we say, how are you doing? Don't just say, how are you doing? Like, try to find out how they are really doing. Try, you know, we say, how are you doing? It's like just monotonous, something that we just say. But try to find out how your children are doing. How your wife, how are, how, how are they really doing? Are you doing okay? Is there anything I can do to help you? And they might say, no, no, it's okay. But if you see, if you read anything, any need, be concerned about them. Because if you're there for others, then Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala will be there for you. If you're there for others, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala inshallah will be there for you. I know inshallah I'm going to end it with this. And that is, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, having taqwa, is something that we should remind ourselves all the time. And 
having taqwa requires that we continually, we continually at all times try to do that which is, try to be in a state in which we're conscious, to, conscious of Allah at all times. Meaning, making dhikr. Try to make dhikr. But let me tell you something about dhikr. There are a lot of people who don't know, maybe don't know Arabic. Arabic isn't their first language. And when you say Subhanallah, 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 when you're saying Alhamdulillah, Alhamdulillah, you might just be saying it. You might not be reflecting, think about what you're saying. I think what, if you don't know Arabic, if you don't know Arabic, then when you say it, try to say it from the bottom of your heart. Try to reflect, reflect upon the meaning. But if you don't know Arabic, when you say Subhanallah, when you say Alhamdulillah, try to always say Alhamdulillah, and then whether verbally or non-verbally, say it in English also. Or whatever language it is that you speak. It will help it, so it won't be just something subhanAllah. Some people, after prayer, subhanAllah, 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 They don't even say subhanAllah properly. Like fully. Forget about thinking about what you're saying. And so make, when you're making dhikr, try to be, try to be focused. When you're doing any, when you're in your prayer, one also, in, when you're in your prayer, when you're standing up for prayer, before prayer, get yourself ready for prayer. When you're making wudu, have the right mindset. One way to have khushu in prayer is to think about the problems that you have. Think about all the problems that you have before prayer. And inside your prayer, supplicate to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala to help you with all the problems that you have. And you'll see that when you're in prayer, think about all, the, all your needs and all your concerns and supplicate to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. When you pray correctly, then it will give you taqwa. Inna salata tanha anil munkar. When you pray correctly, that's what will give you taqwa. And that taqwa will, will help you abstain from the fahsha, the lewdness, and from, from sins and, and, and disobedience of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala and transgression. So it will help you abstain from sins if you make dhikr properly, if you pray properly, if you fast properly, if you make hajj properly. All of these things are to build your taqwa. So when you stand up for prayer, pour everything that you have out. And when you do that, then inshallah the taqwa and the iman will increase within you. And anytime you feel down, anytime you feel that you, you know, let's say you have any problems also, go out and do some good. Go out and give charity. Go out and help other people. You know the money that we have? Money, some people they say money can't buy happiness. Well, I'm going, to tell you that, I'm going to tell you that money can buy happiness. Money can buy happiness in this world and the hereafter. When can money buy happiness? The only time that money can buy happiness is when you spend it on others. When you spend it on others. When you help others. That's when money buys happiness. If you don't believe me, ask the billionaires. They have so much money. 
But what are they doing? They're doing with their money at the end of their lives when they find out that it doesn't really make them happy. What do they do? They start spending it on others. And they start giving it to others. Because that's what, that's what really makes you happy. And even if, maybe you, can, you guys can look it up, there's a, a study at Harvard University where they gave money to two groups of people. They gave money to certain, one group and they told them to spend it on themselves. And then rate their level of happiness at the end of the day. And then they, spent, they, they asked another group to spend it on others. Do you know who are the people who are always happy at the end of the day? The people who spent it on themselves, their level of happiness remained the same. Very few were more happy. But those who spent it on others, mo almost all of them, at the end of the day, were more happy. So money can buy happiness if you spend it on others. And so if you're feeling down, if you're feeling sad, depressed, go out and help others. The worst, you can, worst thing you can do if you're stressed out and you're, uh, and you're sad or depressed is to do nothing. Right? First and foremost, stand up and pray. Pour all of your, all your concerns. You know, like, like they say, put all your concerns on the table. <laughs> Supplicate to Allah. After you finish, go out and do good. Taqwallah and husnul khuluq. Taqwallah and husnul khuluq are your keys to Jannah, inshaAllah. Wa jazakumullahu khayran. Wa sallallahu ala nabina Muhammad wa ala alihi wa sahbihi. Okay, inshallah, if somebody have a question, a couple of questions, one or two will take it, inshallah. If you have a question, just raise your hand, and I think we can hear you from there. Anybody have any questions? Tomorrow lectures are special for the youth. Everyone else is welcome. Is